You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Turn with me to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse number 22. Genesis 50, uh, verse 22, and then Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse number 6. I'll give you a moment uh, to find it. Uh, Genesis uh, 50, verse 22, and, and Hebrews 11, verse number 6. Um, I believe the Lord has a special word uh, for us uh, today. And tonight I will mention in the service what I plan to teach on Monday, Tuesday, and, and Wednesday. And you know, time quickly evaporates, does it not? Uh, James in his epistle said, we're like vapor, here today, gone tomorrow. You know what vapor does? It evaporates. There's a little less of you today than there was yesterday. We are evaporating. Life quickly passes us by. We've got we've to squeeze all the juice of life out of every day for the cause of Jesus Christ. Would you please stand with me today for the reading of God's Word today? Genesis chapter 50, verse 22. Now Joseph stayed in Egypt, and he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years, and Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons, and the sons of Machir, and the son of Manasseh were born on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to a land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you. And you shall carry my bones up from here. And Joseph died at an age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin uh, in Egypt. Now go with me to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. And God's Word uh, tells us today in verse number 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he comes to God, must believe that he is, and is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Now jump on down to verse number 22, and this is what it says. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel, and he gave orders concerning his bones. And may God have his blessings upon his word today. You may be seated. You know, um, if you strive to please the Lord... It really doesn't matter who you displease. But if you displease the Lord, it really doesn't matter who you please. I used to think, I don't believe this way anymore, but I used to think that I could make everybody happy. But you know, there's some people you can't make happy. There's some people who manufacture their misery and they have a copyright or a trademark to go with it. There's some people who take great pride in being miserable. I don't know a whole lot, but I do know this, that small thinkers make big stinkers. That's one thing I do know. Uh, You know, we can dress like we're intelligent, but when we open up our mouth, everybody will know. Sometimes people will think us to be intelligent if we just don't say anything. 
A friend of mine, Leonard Sweet, who lives in the state of Washington, says, James, remember, you can't fix stupid. He said, remember that. You know, the Bible says we are to please the Lord. But the Word of God says this, and we read it, says it's impossible to please God without faith. Now listen to what the Word says. It's impossible. Now, when God says something is impossible, we better pay attention. God says it's impossible to please Him without faith. If that's true, and it is, then we ought to pray, God, help my faith to grow so that I might please you. Now, Joseph is getting ready to cross the finish line. He's getting ready to graduate for eternity. And as he's getting ready to die, he pulls his family members close to him, and he makes them promise something. He says, now, after I'm gone, he said, when you do leave, he said, I want you to promise to me that you're going to take me with you, that you're going to dig up my bones, and that you're going to take me with you. Now, it's very interesting because the Bible says in in Hebrews 11, verse 22, by faith, Joseph made mention of the exodus. He gave orders concerning his bones. It was at the end of the journey that really impressed God the most. Now, 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 twenty over 25% of the entire book of Genesis is devoted to this man we admire whose name is Joseph. He gets more press than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob combined. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of fame of faith, he only gets one verse. And it says, by faith, he mentioned the Exodus. He gave orders concerning his bones. It was at the end of the race, it was at the very end of the journey that God says, now, wow, that pleases me. Wow, that, that impresses me. And for a little while this morning, I want to speak on the blessings and a box of bones. And I hope that you will jot some things down this morning. You say, well, I got a good memory, not as good as that ink pen. Uh, in fact, you can't spell ink and spell think without spelling ink. Uh, you know, when you ink something, you think something. Aren't you glad God wrote it down? I said, aren't you glad God wrote it down? You know, we'd be hard fixed if all we had was oral tradition. Uh, you say, well, I don't, I don't have a piece of paper. Then write on a shirt of blouse in front of you, but I encourage you to write it down. First of all, we need to remember the unbreakable promises of God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when God gives you or me a promise, he's going to keep the promise. Now, it may take a while sometimes for the promise to become reality. But when God gives a promise, he will fulfill the promise. God spoke to Abraham 4,000 years ago. And he said to Abraham in Genesis 13, we didn't read it today. He said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. Now, did he do that the next day? No. Did he do it the next month? No. But did he do it? Yes. And in the midst of it, Abraham wandered around, did some things he shouldn't have done, and Ishmael was born. If he just learned to wait on God, God knows how to take care of it and turn it all out for his glory and for our good. And somebody said amen. But God did keep his word, and he had a son. His name was Isaac, and Isaac means promised child. And then Isaac would live, and he would die. And and before he died, he passed the promise on to Jacob. The Bible says God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. 
You read this phrase over and over and over in the book of Genesis and other Old Testament uh, books as well, that God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you won't ever hear it said Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Even though the promise wasn't given, first of all, to Joseph, he inherited that promise. Uh, Abraham would live and he would die And so would Isaac, and so would Jacob. And by the time Jacob was dying, Jacob was no longer in the land of promise. He was now in the land of Egypt. God had said to Abraham, I'm giving you a promise, but it's going to take at least 400 years for it to be fulfilled. And the promise I'm making to you is longer than your lifespan. The promise I'm making to you is bigger than who you are. But just as sure as I'm Jehovah God, I will make the promise. I would fulfill the promise. Abraham would live. He would die. Promise not fulfilled. Isaac would live and he would die. Promise still not fulfilled. Jacob would live and he would die. And the promise was still not fulfilled. But when Jacob died, Joseph understood something that very few people understood. He understood that now they were in a serious time of transition. So he stopped what he was doing as second in command. He takes his dad, takes dad Jacob back to the land of promise, and he buries him. He buries him in a small town called Shechem. Shechem means the place of prosperity. He he buries him in Shechem, and then he comes back, and he stays on the assignment. Now, he understood what God was up to. If you ever want to know what God is up to, just look at what God is raising up, and you know what God is up to. See, he understood what God was up to. He understood there was going to be seven years of plenty, and there was going to be seven years of famine. He understood the seasons of his life. He understood why God had taken care of him in the pit, and the prison, and the palace, because God had put a dream and a vision in his heart. Now, I didn't say this in the early bird service, but I'm going to say it right now. If God puts a vision in your heart worth fighting for, there'll come a time in your life that you'll have to fight for it. There'll come a time that you're going to find out whether or not it is a daydream or a God-given vision. There are going to be people, if you think everybody is going to love you because you want to fulfill God's vision in the earth, my friend, you're going to have a rude awakening one day because a lot of people who name the name of Jesus are not the least bit interested in doing what's in God's heart throughout all of eternity. And you'll find that out sooner or later. And the Bible says that Joseph kept it in his heart. That's why he could put up the pit, the prison, the palace, and he stayed on the assignment. He made sure that the people were in position for the future. See, he understood what his role was in God's goal. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what your role is in God's goal? I'm 53 years young now. And I'm old enough to know that you can't do everything. You can't, you, can't, you can't chase everything. And there comes a time in your life that you start pairing things off. And you get extremely focused. I want to be so focused that I'll make coffee nervous. That's how focused I want to be. Now, God has a goal. His goal is everyone. Anything less than everyone is not a God-sized goal. But I can't achieve that goal by myself. I used to spend a lot of time setting personal goals, and I still do set personal goals, things that I want to achieve that I can do. But when it comes to God-sized goals, I can't do that. That's too big. There's 7.2 billion people on the planet. 
I can't do that. You can't do that. So I have to find my role in the goal. I have to find my part in God's heart. We all have a role. Joseph had a role in the goal. God knew, he knew that God was going to take the people out. But he knew that he wasn't going to do that all by himself. So that's what made Joseph so unique. While other people were chasing other things, he understood what God was doing and what he was up to, and he planned his life according to that. We need to remember the unbreakable promises of God. I mean, what really motivates you? What really cranks your tractor? What really stirs your heart? A lot of uh, people in the West, their goal is the American dream. They want to work hard, make a lot of money, retire early, move to a warm place. And they think that's the ultimate fulfillment of goal in their life. Does God want to prosper our path? Yes. Does God want to enlarge our life? He surely does. But does he want to do it just for self-gratification or self-fulfillment? No. He wants to do it because he wants to use you and me to achieve something greater than we could ever do by ourselves. We need to remember the unbreakable promises of God. Let me give you an example. There's 4% of Christianity in the world. 4% in North America, rather. 4% here, 96% of Christianity is not here. If you'd have come to me 10 years ago and asked me about Christianity, I I would have not hardly known anything about Christianity. Oh, I knew a little bit. But I decided as a Christian, not as a preacher, not as a teacher, but as a Christian, I wanted to understand what my Christ was up to. So I began to eagerly search it out to see what he's doing throughout the world. And what I'm saying to you today is that the Lord doesn't want any of us to be a wandering generality. He wants us to be a definite specific. You may have a more expensive watch than I do, but you don't have any extra time than I do. It may only be a minute, but eternity is in it. It's how we use our minutes that makes all the difference for the glory of God. And if you believe it, say amen. We need to remember the unbreakable promises of God. When God gives us a promise, he's going to fulfill it. It doesn't matter who, what Pharaoh it is. Pharaohs will come and go. The pyramids one day will just simply be dust and rubble, but God will fulfill his promises in the world. We not only must remember the unbreakable promises, but secondly, rely on the unshakable power of God. You know, empires go up and empires go down. Companies start, companies stop. But the kingdom of God advances every year. The kingdom of God is not in recession. The kingdom of God has not been in recession in the last 10 years. The kingdom of God is not in depression. My friend, when it gets rough, then the kingdom of God just doubles and triples in size. When persecution comes, the kingdom of God grows faster then than any other time in the kingdom's history. My friend, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is building his church in the world today. Let me give you an example. Did you know in the last eight years, the last eight years, did you know that 2.1 million churches have been planted throughout the world in the last eight years? Let me give you a perspective. There's 350,000 churches in America. Seven times as many churches in America have been planted throughout the world in the last eight years. 
Did you know in that same span of time, 379 million people have come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? I'm here to tell you, my friend, the Lord is building his church. He's raising up people like you and me to do something that's beyond our imagination for the glory of Almighty God. We need to rely on the power of God. There are no doubt concerns around us. There are concerns around my life, concerns around your life. But we we do not live in fear and worry and dread and doubt. There was concern for Joseph. You know what it was? Joseph was getting ready to die. If you got anything worse than that, I'd like to know what it is. It must be really huge. You know, um, we get sick, we get better, we get sick, we get better. But if we live long enough, we're going to get sick and we're not going to get better. Death runs in my family. Does death run in your family? Be honest with me today. Yeah. The latest statistic on death is one out of one. That's right. That's a pretty important stat, by the way. It's one that you can depend upon if the Lord tarries long enough. Joseph was sick. He was dying. He was getting ready to go be with his maker. He pulls his family members together. He doesn't say, hey, guys, when I'm gone, it's going to get really bad. You don't like it now? You won't like what's coming next. Uh, He doesn't fill them full of fear and worry and dread and doubt. He reminds them of what their future was. And he reminds them of where they're going. And you see, when things get difficult and hard, sometimes we develop tunnel vision. And we forget that the Lord is still for us, not against us. He's still going to order our steps and our stops. Some time ago, a man was on an operating table, and he was getting ready to undergo surgery. He looked in the eyes of his surgeon. The surgeon looked in the eyes of his patient. The surgeon could see that this man was extremely anxious and fearful. So he said, I can tell you're very afraid and, and, and very anxious. He said, I sure am. Doctor said, why are you so afraid? He said, I'm so afraid because this is my very first surgery. The doctor said, I can understand. This is my very first surgery as well. Now, if you're going to have surgery, make sure you have surgery with somebody who knows more about it than you do. If we're going to grow in the Lord, let's spend time with people who know more about the Lord than we do. See, I believe we become the right people by spending time with the right people in the right place. That's why we're having special renewal services this week. See, because we need to set some time aside. As pastor has said, separate ourselves. I know what some people say, but why couldn't it be next week? You know, there'll always be something next week. Or why couldn't it wait till the springtime? Then you'd be saying, well, I got to cut my grass or I got to wash my car. Or there's always something else buying for our time. Is that not true? There's always something else to do. If we're waiting until all the to-do list is done, we'll be breathing heavenly oxygen. That's where we'll be. And there'll be some people who'll still pick up that list and try to take care of something up there. I'm here to tell you, my friend, there's never a perfect time. There's never a perfect week. But there comes a time that we say we're going to set some time aside. We're going to spend time with the right people in the right place. And we're going to ask God to do something only he can do for his glory and for his honor. Now, there are things swirling all around in this world. Things happen in the Middle East, things in the former Soviet Union, other places in the world. Things happening here in North America. There are concerns. We don't bury our head in the sand. But, my friend, we don't live by fear and anxiety. We put our faith and trust in the king of the universe. Not only the concerns that are around us, 
but the changes that are coming before us. Um, you know, if you haven't enjoyed the changes of the last five to ten years, you won't enjoy the changes that are coming. There are huge changes coming, huge technological changes that are coming, huge uh, financial challenges that are coming, huge changes internationally the nations of the world. There's huge changes coming. There was a major change coming for Israel and the Israelites when Joseph was dying. When, when Joseph was there, they had favor. When Joseph was gone, they had labor. One generation had favor. The next generation had labor. A pastor friend of mine asked me in New Jersey a few months ago, he said, if you could pray for one thing, what would you pray for? I said, pray for God's favor upon your life. Because when favor is high, labor is low. Now, if you want to work hard, you pray for low favor, and you get the dream of your life. You know what? We need favor on each of our families, and everybody said amen. We need God's favor on our church. Yes, we do. We need God's favor on a church in America. The church in America is losing its favor. That's why it's so hard. Listen to me. We need God's favor upon our church in America. Because, my friend, when favor is high, labor is low. When favor is high, you get more done things done in a faster way and even in a more, more cost-efficient way for the glory of the Lord. You see, we have to rely on the unshakable power of God. In the 1990s, my wife and I, we laid to rest two children. I want you to see that marker. I purposely jumped to right now. And one in 1991, one in 1998. Our daughter was born in 1991. Our daughter was born in 1998. And our daughter lived for six weeks, our son for a day. My wife held both of our children while we stood in the intensive care nursery uh, while they graduated for eternity. Now, let me tell you why I share this with you today for two reasons. One, my, I live my Christian life in, in shoe leather like you do. And some days it rains. Wow, it rains. Wow. Because the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. You know, Jesus told the story about the two houses, one on sand and one was on rock. But just because your house is on rock doesn't mean it's not going to rain. Same storm that got the house on the sand also got the house on the rock. The only difference was a lot of people are all house and no foundation. And the reason why some people's houses collapse is because of where they build their house. Now, tonight, I want to speak on what to do when the lights go out. What to do when the lights go out. What do, you, what do we do when it gets extremely dark? Isaiah says, who is it that fears the Lord, obeys the Lord, but walks in darkness and has no light? How do, how do, we, how do we walk in that darkness? How do we victoriously walk it out until the sun comes up? On the other side. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Now, I also know that in our culture, we call this Super Bowl Sunday. Now, I always laugh when I hear the expression Super Bowl because God's got some bowls in the book of Revelation that are truly super. Ours are just teacups. Uh, the next reason I kind of laugh about it, because the real big bowls take place outside of America, 200,000 seats, 250,000 seats. Those are huge bowls. And, and I realize none of us do this here, but church down the street, there are some people down the church down the street, they'll pray for their favorite team. And I realize we would never bring God into a ball game because we're bigger than that because we know that God has children on both sides. 
As soon as you start praying for your side, what you're doing is asking God to line up against his other children. Do you think God's going to do that for you? No. So we're not going to bring God into it. I just think a lot of times God says, may the best team win. Now, most of us can't even remember who played last year. Most of us could not name the last three years. And when a crisis comes, when challenges come, listen to me. There are, there are challenges coming right around the horizon. There, it's amazing to me how some Christians line themselves up with the television schedule. And then when a crisis comes, say, but, but, but Lord, you know how much I love you. Um, you have to understand something. It's not about the Seahawks and it's not about the Denver Broncos. It's not about that at all. Um, I hope they have a phenomenal game. But I can tell you this much. When the, when the Davis family has a crisis, we're not going to ride our favorite athlete in either one of those teams and say, would you help bail us out of the problem? Now, if, if, if that's the way you're planning your life, I just want you to understand, it's not going to turn out the way you think it's going to turn out. Uh, if you're so desperate, then record it. But let me tell you this much. God is going to meet us right here tonight. In his presence, in his power. And let me tell you what I've learned. We come expecting to meet him, we won't be disappointed. If we come with a low expectation, we'll get a low response. We come with a high expectation, God will meet us in a powerful way. Tonight I'm going to teach on what to do when the lights go out. It took me almost 20 years to learn what I'm going to teach tonight in about 40 minutes. Because I believe that we're facing some of the most unparalleled challenges in the years ahead. And wise is the person who makes preparation ahead of time. God is going to do a phenomenal work in our hearts tonight. And then tonight I'll mention what I plan to share Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We need to learn to rely on the unshakable power of God. Third, we need to rest in the unmistakable peace of God. Look at Joseph. He's smiling at death. And he says to his family members, when you leave, you got to promise you're going to take me with you. Then he dies. They bury him in a coffin made of wood. One year goes by, 25, 50, 100 years go by, and now here comes Moses. But there's something different about this day. This is the day of the exodus. God had said to Abraham, I will bring the people out. Now, promise fulfilled. Generations have come and go. Today is the day of the exodus. And Moses is bringing the people out. Can you see it? Nearly two million. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine trying to get two million people to do the same thing? Can you imagine trying to get two million people to head the same direction? Um, you know, I know a few Christians like you do. It's sometimes it's, 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 it's hard to get everybody going the same way. Uh, the children, the moms, the dads, the senior citizens, they're all on their way out. They had not been going very long, and Moses turns to one of his lieutenants, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 13, and says, who has Joe's bones? He says, if we've got Joe, we can go. No Joe, no go. That's what the Bible says in Exodus 13, verses 17, 18, 19. He says, who has the bones of Joseph? 
The Bible doesn't tell us who it was that went in to get the bones, the box that contained the bones. It could have been uh, several people that went and got that box. And, and I see them as they bring that box out of Egypt. I have a hard time believing they kept Joe at the back of the line. I think they brought him to the front of the line. I want you to see Moses and Joseph leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. How long did they carry Joseph? The whole time. They carried him throughout the entire wilderness wanderings. That's 40 years. They carried him through the Red Sea by Mount Sinai where Moses was buried. They then carried him through the River Jordan and by Gilgal and Jericho. He was there when the sun stood still. You say, James, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in Joshua chapter 24, the last chapter in the book of Joshua, when the land rested from war, the last paragraph says, and they buried Joseph in Shechem. Now, now you can't bury a man unless you bring him out. They brought him out, carried him the whole time. And then at the end of the day, they buried Joseph right next to dad, Jacob, who Joseph had buried more than a hundred years earlier. Ladies and gentlemen, what God starts in our life, he will finish in our life. I said what God starts in our life, he'll finish in our life. He will. But we have to ask ourselves a huge question today. Why did Joseph make his family members promise that when they leave, they would take him with him. I mean, don't you find that to be a strange request? I don't know of many dads or grandfathers who would look at their children or grandchildren and say, by the way, if you ever leave Uniontown, Pennsylvania, you've got to put me on the truck with you. And if you decide to move again, you're going to take me with you. I mean, I can't imagine anybody saying that to their children or their grandchildren. Why did Joseph ask that? Because Joseph wanted to be a part of what God was doing, whether he was dead or alive. Can you say to God with integrity today, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing, whether it's easy or hard, convenient or inconvenient, or if it's in life or in death, he had faith beyond the grave. You see, God trusted him with a lot because Joseph had been faithful a lot. How much can God trust us with? You see, it's so important for us to understand this today. Um, it's amazing to me. Now, I live in central Florida. For many, many years, we lived in the state of Missouri. Six years ago, we moved to Florida. But down in Florida, if it was raining today, uh, Christians would look through the drapers and say, oh, my, wow, raining. Man, I don't think I can make it to church today. Wow, it's raining. Now I realize no Christian thinks that way here, but down in Florida, they think that way. Oh, it's, oh, it's terrible. I mean, if I was going to church today, I'd have to use my windshield wipers. I can't imagine using my windshield wipers. And, and, and when I pull it up in the parking lot, I have to use an umbrella. Wow, what a burden that would be to bear that umbrella across a cement parking lot and walk into a warm sanctuary. And then we say, but Lord, send revival. Please send it today. Lord, send an awakening. We so desperately need it. But don't inconvenient me. And don't put any frustration in my path 
But you know what's amazing? If it's raining on Monday, that same Christian has enough courage to go to work. They'll fight that traffic on the interstate, but they can't seemingly grasp it on Sunday. But Lord, you can trust me with a lot more. Can he really? What I'm saying today in a roundabout way is that we want God to do something large in our life, do we not? We want God to trust us with more, do we not? Then we, tr- then we act on what he's given to us, and we say, Lord, I want to get on your path. Whether it's easy or hard makes no difference to me. I want to get on your path, and I want to walk out your plan, and I want to be faithful to the end and believe that the best is yet to come. And the Lord is looking for people in this service today who are willing to say, Lord, I am going to do my best with what you've given to me. And I'm going to ask you to compound it in my life. And I'm going to be faithful with what you've given to me each and every day for the glory of the Lord. Would you please stand with me in this sacred gathering today as your eyes are closed in this service today. I count it a privilege to preach where a pastor preaches week after week after week. And as they play simply, just simply softly today, I'll be very brief. Um, I don't know how much of the Lord you have in your life, but you have just as much as you want in your life. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come. That's what he said as our eyes are closed and heads are bowed in a sacred gathering today. You may say, but James, I, I feel empty inside. Jesus didn't say, if you're empty, come. He said, if you're thirsty, come. My car, like your car, has been empty many times. But my car has never been thirsty and neither has yours. The Lord's looking for men and women like Joseph of old who are thirsty to please the Lord. Thirsty to honor the king of the universe. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for just ordinary people to do extraordinary things in Jesus' name. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. And if you can say with integrity today, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be included in it. I want to get in step with you. I want to go in the right direction that you have for me. I want to be a stronger Christian six months from now than I am today. I want to know more about you in a year from today than I do today. I want your favor upon my life more than breath itself. When I count to three, if you can say that with integrity, no matter where you are, in the front or back of this auditorium, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And my hand's going to be the first one up today saying, Lord, you can count me in. That's that's what I want to be about. That's, That's where I'm going to go in the months and years ahead if you tarry in your coming. If you can say that with integrity. One two, three, if that's you, just lift your hand. My hand is up in this sacred gathering. Hands be lifted all across this auditorium. Dear Heavenly Father, you see the hands that are lifted in this building. Lord, we as children just put our hand in your hand. Now, Lord, you lead us where you want us to go. Lord, you lead us through the ebb and flow of life. Lord, through the hills and the valleys, through the daytime and the nighttime. Lord, you lead us and guide us. Lord, we put our hand in your hand as a child, and we ask you to do the leading, and we'll do the following. Lord God, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus for that to rest upon our life all the days of our life. And Lord, we'll be careful to give 
you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all. Now, will you just take a moment to lay a hand on somebody's shoulder next to you? You may know the person well, you may not, but just take a second just to pray for him or her. Lord God, we pray for him or her. Lord, that there be fear or worry or anxiety in their life. We just pray, Lord, that you just melt it. Lord, that you just take care of it. Lord, that you just take it away. Lord, I pray that you'll calm their emotions. Lord God, I pray that you'll do that work in their heart. Oh, God, please do that work in their heart. Lord, minister to him. Touch her, I pray. In the name of Jesus, let it be so. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this work of grace that you're doing in his life, in her life, in my life. Thank you, Lord God. We receive it in the name of the Lord. We receive it in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for trusting us with so very much. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. We love you, Lord, today. We love you, Lord, today. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to look at me just for a moment. Then pastor's going to come. As your brother in Christ... I want to encourage you to be here tonight, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'm raising two lovely daughters. My wife and I, our girls are 7 and 13. I'm 53. My wife is 52. Our children are 7 and 13. Our two girls that we're raising are from China. And so made in China means something different to us than a lot of other people. And, and I'm going to show you some pictures of my girls and my family tonight. But our family is faithful to the local church. When the doors are open, that's where we are. When it's time to get dressed, it's not a democracy in our house. Girls get dressed, it's time to go to church. But, 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 no, this is not a democracy. It's time to go to church. It's time to love the Lord. When we have special meetings in our church, we're there every night. Wednesday night? hardly ever miss and we are 47 miles each way to church are you listening to me but we hardly ever miss because we believe you become the right people by being in the right place with the right people and we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus so I encourage you to be here tonight and be here Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday the Lord's going to meet us now if the Lord comes this afternoon you don't have to be here tonight it's okay to miss if he comes this afternoon don't miss that one alright but if he tarries as your brother, I want to encourage you to be here. We're going to be respectful of your time, I promise you. We'll be respectful of your time. But the Lord is going to meet us at the altars. People are going to be touched and healed, saved this week, filled with the Holy Spirit. I want all that God has for me. I don't want to miss any of what God has for me. But I've learned as a Christian, I have to make a decision and put together a plan or it just won't happen. So I want to encourage you to be here tonight and this week. If you will do your best to be here tonight and this week, if you do your best. Can I see your hand? Let me see your hand. You do your best. That's all the Lord's asking for is our best. Let me tell you what I've learned. If I give the Lord my best, I can go to bed at night with integrity saying, God, prosper my path. Order my steps because I know I'm giving my all to you. There's nothing that can take the place of that peace. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.